Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the banana yellow game pack and the new Jungle Green N64 console. It's got a Jungle Green controller and comes with the N64 expansion pack. The Donkey Kong 64 bundle. It's more fun than a bunch of baboons with a bundle of bananas. World. We won't go in one direction or see where we can set. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. Change the system. It's Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret, aka Yemi. I hope everyone's having a good week. It's been super hot this past week around here. It's been in the upper 80s and 90s. So that that hasn't been too much fun, but inside it's nice and cool, and I hope that my refreshing voice will soothe your heated soul. That's right. Uh, lots of things happened this past week in the video game world. Mostly all the news is coming from Gamescom, but of course I've sprinkled in some other things as well. But first, as usual, I would like to start with what I've been playing this past week. And wouldn't you know it? Psychonauts 2 came out on the 24th, the same day as Aliens Fireteam Elite, but I'm going to talk about Psychonauts 2 first because I didn't play a lot of Aliens Fireteam Elite this past week for various reasons. So let me just talk about Psychonauts 2. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm really, 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 really loving this game so far. I'm I don't know how many hours I'm into it, but I've I've been playing maybe about six, seven hours in right now, and the game is just <laughs> it's just brilliant. I mean, it's it's so it's it just it feels like a natural progression of the Psychonauts series. I mean, you go from Psychonauts Psychonauts one to the Rhombus of Ruin, which is like a little sub game for the VR. It does matter in the long run, and from the first game to to Rhombus of Ruin, it's actually a very fluid transition as well and from rhombus of ruin into second s2 is also like completely fluid transition it's just it all just is working so well together even though these games were made years apart you know so you might be asking do i need to play the first psychonauts do i need to play the vr game technically no you don't have to play those other two games but i would recommend at least playing the original psychonauts there is a like a video that plays they, that tells you the entire story, you know, plus the Rhombus of Ruin story. So you don't have to be, like, a complete Psychonauts nut to, in you know, to know this background story. And I think, honestly, I think this game picks up in a place that doesn't really need much explanation. And the explanation that they do give you is enough. You know, you meet all the main characters from, like, the first game and the, and the Rhombus of Ruin. You know, like Sasha and the Sergeant guy and, and those people. You know, there's there's things that are told to you just in passing, so it's not like huge exposition dumps over and over again. Um, and the game really eases you into the, the gameplay um, by giving you each of your original powers back during the like little uh, opening uh, world, I guess you could say. 
And then after that, it starts piling on the new stuff. And the new stuff doesn't come quickly, per se, but there is a good amount of new stuff littered in there that it keeps the game feeling fresh as you keep going on. Now, um, let, uh, let, me, let me answer the question I asked myself. Do you need to play the first two? No, technically not. I think I might have actually... Maybe I did answer that question. I don't know, whatever. Technically, no, you don't have to play 1 and 2, but I would recommend at least playing the first game. Rombulus of Ruin was a good VR experience, but it wasn't a game that I would go out of my way to be like, purchase a PlayStation VR for this game. No, it's still good, and it's well-designed, and I, I appreciate that they kept the story going from Rombulus of Ruin, because... I really did enjoy, like, the main antagonist character, and he does a good job in this game, too, even though he has a smaller part, but, you know, it is, like, the, the main point I'm trying to make here is, like, it is, like, a really good continuation of the story. It doesn't just pick up after, you know, it doesn't say, like, one year later or something like that. No, it's literally, like, right after that, and the most amazing thing is that they got all the original voice actors back to play their characters again. And even though some of the characters seem to have aged a little bit more than others with their voices, um, including Raz, I think it still all works really, really well as one con con you know continuous story. And that, for me, as a fan of Psychonauts, is really just the perfect thing. I mean, I've been, like, not to toot my own horn, but I, I, I helped fund this game when it, the Kickstarter came out for it. I slapped down some money to, to for the developers, um, and it is nice to finally see it come out and actually be like this really, really great experience. I was afraid because I was, you know, I was kind of burned on ukulele. You know, I, I spent a, like twenty some bucks on you know to fund that game, and it might not sound like a, a lot right you know for, for right now where I'm at in my life now, but back then that was like I was in college back then. I didn't have as much money I was literally living like paycheck to paycheck every two weeks with my job so to spend $20 there $50 on Psychonauts was a big deal back then for me and when ukulele finally came out I was like this is what I almost you know this is what I wasted money on and but at least with with this Psychonauts game I mean, boom, pow. I mean, it is it is fantastic. And it is available on Xbox Game Pass if you want. There's been a little bit of confusion out there because the game has been so heavily um, teased for the Xbox, you know. But the game is available on PS4. Uh, so, and it, it does have... I mean, I don't think there's, like, any, like, major upgrades for the PS5 version, but, you know, you can play it with a backwards compatibility function. So, I saw that there were some people in, like, the comments of the ads that I was seeing on Twitter. They were like, oh, why isn't this on PlayStation? And then people have to respond to them saying, it is on PlayStation, so let me just get that out of the way. It is on PlayStation if you want to play it. Right now, it's just, it's not on the Switch, and I don't know... If they have plans to put it on the Switch, they probably do, but, you know, these the, the, the version that I'm playing right now is the PC. I'm playing on the Xbox Game Pass for PC. Um, I know what you're saying, but yummy, you got the Xbox Series S, and I'm like, yes, I do, <laughs> but I don't know why I didn't install it in the Series S. I don't know, because it was just, it's just, it's more of like a convenience thing for me to play it on PC, whatever. Uh, and actually, side story, I had to um, update my graphics drivers. I hadn't updated them since 2018, and the game was like, yeah, you should probably update these when I went to go start it up. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I probably should. So that I did that, and, and the game is running pretty smoothly. I think right now, 
I've been noticing some like areas where it's like it's stuck in a loading section where like like you know you're you're playing the game and then like a cutscene comes up and like you get frozen there for a few milliseconds, not even, and then the cutscene loads. It's noticeable, but it's not like such a terrible thing. The game does load pretty quick, fairly quickly. Um, I I've not had too many issues with that, and obviously if it was on the PS5 or maybe even on the Xbox Series S, the load times probably would be a little bit shorter, but it was my own decision, so I'll take my L. But it's not like super terrible, right? That's not the bad. That's not the bad thing about the game. There's, I mean, I wouldn't say that there's really a bad thing about the game. You know, the 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 worst thing so far has just been how Raz gravitates towards ledges too, he too magnetically. You know, it, it feels like he has a magnet to every single ledge when you're jumping or you know you're riding your um your your little ball thing that you can have equipped. That's really my biggest complaint right now, and even then, it's really not that terrible of a thing because I've been able to work around it. Yeah, it can be a little annoying sometimes. Sometimes, you know, he'll go for the wrong ledge when I'm trying to go for the one on the left. He'll go for the one on the right, or, you know, when you jump off of something, he'll try to land on a platform that's in front of you instead of the platform behind the other platform that I'm going for. Small things like that that can be a little bit annoying, so I will give it that. But for the most part, I'm really, really, really enjoying my experience. So don't let that be a big, like, negative thing about the game. Because even though it is a little annoying here and there, I think that, you you know, it's easy to work around. And f overall, I think the game is really well-crafted in all other aspects, in all other areas. The graphics, really, really good. Um, just, like, the different worlds you go into. Because Psychonauts is all about going in people's minds you know, and influencing their thoughts or fixing their brains, essentially. And so far, the four or five different minds that I've gone into have have had very, very unique, you know, landscapes, color palettes, stuff like that. Like, they all look so, so cool. There's one guy who's split into three different characters. One character's a bowling character. Another one does, like, a he's like a barber. And then there's also a guy who... Um, he, he sorts mail or something like that. Yeah. And essentially, you go into all three of these mines, and they're all, they're like, it's all the same character, but they're so vastly different. I mean, the one where you're, you're in the bowling alley, you know, he's cleaning shoes. And so the whole point of this is like, you know, the, the his brain is all gunked with these germs, and you have to ride a, a bowling ball through these germy areas because you get, you can't jump inside the the germ goo, you know? And so you go through all these different platforming adventures while riding on the top of a bowling ball. And for the one where it's a barber, you know, there's, like, lice everywhere, and you need to blow the lice away or freeze it or, or just exterminate it. And, you know, it, it, there's all these, like, so many different unique platforming challenges and enemy encounters the game just flows so so well and there's always something new to keep you coming you know coming back to the game i mean when i play this game i play for hours on end i i i don't even i i like i'll have someone stream up in the background just as as white noise you know a very quiet white noise and i'll be playing the game and all of a sudden i'll look over and they've raided someone you know and it's like oh that was a three-hour stream that i just barely watched because i was playing this game it is that much fun um, and the story is really good too. Like it, it, the story keeps you going, um, as, as it should, uh, if you know, the first game, you know, you're at camp, you know, you're not officially a psychonaut yet, even though you've done a lot of things throughout the camp. And in this, in psychonauts two, you are essentially an intern in like the internship program in order to become a psychonaut. So you kind of have to rise 
through the ranks. And the game does a good job of not being too slow, but also not going super fast with its leveling system and like how how you get new powers and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's been really a really good experience. And um, the powers you get are all pretty unique. Um, the new ones you get are are very fun to use as well. Um, you have, you know, of course you have RB, RT, LB, LT, or L1, L2, R2, uh, R1, obviously. Um, and essentially you can map whatever power you want to those four different buttons. So you can have the levitation ball that I was talking about. And I, I've been keeping that one on L, LT or L2. And then you also have one that's like a side blast. So you, sh- it's like a little side blast that shoots out of you and hits an enemy from far away. I have that on R- RB. RT is like, I, I have a little grippy hand that comes out and grabs items and you can throw items at people. And then LB right now, I have the pyrokinesis, which lights things on fire. And as you gather new powers, you'll of course want to switch those out. So instead of having, you know, the psycho bla- the, 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 the psychic blast on RB, I'll instead have the linking of thoughts, you know, because you need to use that a lot in the game. So I'll have that, and the, the linking of thoughts will allow you to grab uh, enemies and pull them towards you, or you can go towards an enemy. Um, there's another one where you can, like, peer into people's vision, and you can, like, just see what they see. And a lot of times, like, it'll be like, the, you'll go into, like, this guy's brain, and he'll just have bacon floating around everywhere. It's, it's just funny. Um... Oh, what else am I missing? Um, there's so much to go over in the game. You get like these badges as well. The badges they are they are your powers, and you can level up the badges. And then you can also get add-on badges that improve powers. Or you know, like there's one that allows you to pet animals for like 50 coins or whatever it is. The currency in the game is like this purple rock stuff. So I don't know exactly what to call it. But you know, you get one. You know, you can change the color of your your levitation ball you know from from green the red to blue um you can get new filters for your photo mode um you just all this different stuff that you can get throughout the game plus there's upgrades to your your character like you can get uh deeper pockets so you can hold more money or you can hold more lollipops that restore health or you know you can i i just i'm i'm so into this game right now it's so hard to put it on paper or explain why it's so good it just it just feels so good like if you're a fan of psychonauts this game is going to be a beautiful game to play for you because it feels just it just feels like you went from the first game to the second game like you just it feels like they're one conjoined experience and it's just so fucking good you know there's there's lots of little collectibles everywhere for the for the collecting guru in myself you know you can there's there's figments that you go around to collect and they actually help you level up um, there's ba- emotional baggage. You 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 know you find the tag for the correct bag. Um, there's just there's so much in this game, and it's such a beautiful experience. Um, and I, I honestly, you should try it out for yourself. If you're not a fan of the first Psychonauts, you might not like this game. If you haven't played the first Psychonauts, give this one a try. Maybe you want to go back and play the original one after after playing this one. Or, you know, but they're both on Xbox Game Pass, so you could literally just play the first game through and then play the second game. Obviously, it's going to take a little while because the games are, you know, the first Psychonauts is, is a little bit longer of an experience, all, all things considered. But 
but it does set up a lot of what happens in the second game. Even though it's all explained very well and in like this one small package at the beginning of the second game, it is still a good idea to play that game to get the full context. And the first game is just, it's a classic, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite platformers. And Psychonauts 2 is definitely one now uh, another of my favorite platformers right next to Banjo-Kazooie, Super Lucky's Tale and Donkey Kong 64, you know, they're all kind of being put together now because, I mean, Psychonauts 2 is just so good. <laughs> a lot of people have been comparing it to Ratchet and Clank. I, I think that's a very unfair comparison. Uh, even though they're both platformer, action platformers, just how, you know, you use guns in Ratchet and Clank. And Ratchet and Clank, it's more of like a sci-fi adventure, whereas in Psychonauts, it's more of like a cartoony... Um, like, uh, um, imaginative, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it. It's, it's more of like a, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to exactly describe it. It's, it's just, it's got, um, Wretch and Clank, uh, like Psychonauts has a lot more comedy to it. It has a lot more imagination in like the areas. Like whereas Gretchen and Clank, it's like okay, these are sci-fi words. They they look beautiful. I love the the look of the worlds in Gretchen and Clank and stuff like that. You know, but nothing holds a candle to the the places inside these people's minds. You know, the first whole level in uh, you know obviously if you have like a teeth phobia, you probably shouldn't play it. But the whole first level is like you're it's a it's a it, it's a dentist in his, in the dentist's mind. So there's teeth everywhere. It's disgusting, but it's just it's so beautifully done. You know, there's teeth everywhere. You platform on teeth. Um, you know, it's just, it's all such a great, it, it's, it's all great, you know, I, I just, I just love it so much. Uh, you know, I apologize. I, I wish, I wish I could describe it a little bit better, but right now I'm, I'm missing the words to express how I feel for it. Just, just know if you're a person who's going to be entering into the game, you know, the game of the year competition thing that I do at the end of the year, put an asterisk by this one and circle it. Uh, this is definitely... As I go through it, I'm just enjoying it more and more and more. And I just, there's never a dull moment in this game. Even when you're exploring the hub world, it's just like, you know, there's things hidden everywhere. And there's just like all these little Easter eggs and fun conversations to have with people. And it's just, it's just such a, a fun experience so far. I really, really have been enjoying it and I can't wait to play more of it. And obviously once I'm, pro once I'm done with the entire thing, I'll obviously update the blog and put out my thoughts on the whole the game as a whole on the blog. So look out for that, folks. All right, Aliens Fireteam Elite. Um, now I haven't gotten to play a lot of it. I only played like the first chapter of the first um, level so far, and you know, I just wanted to get a feel for it. You know, I I didn't want to have a full experience with it because I'm waiting for Greedy Waffles to play it with me uh, because. Oh, excuse me, because it is a th uh, three-person co-op experience, um, and it's it's heavily influenced by Left 4 Dead, or the Left 4 Dead genre, where, you know, you're going through a mission or a level, you have multiple objectives, there's areas where you hold out, there's areas where a horde comes and attacks you, there's always enemies kind of lurking around, um, but then there's, like, those big sections where you have multiple enemies, and you have the different uh, alien types in there, like, there's a spitter type, there's one that grapples you, there's just a heavy armored one, you know, um, so I, so far, I'm, I really dig it, like, it, it is a really good experience, I think that they captured the atmosphere of aliens while also making it 
more action-packed. They did a really good job with that so far. And, uh, you know, I, I like all the customization options for your character. Uh, I like all the different weapons that you're able to use at the beginning. Um, there's four distinct distinct classes you can use right now so there's like a regular gunner who has the assault rifle and the shotgun to start off with there's a heavy gunner who has the smart weapon and a regular assault rifle um there's the tactician who has like a pistol and the assault rifle or no he has the pistol and shotgun i think or something like that and he's more he, he can put down different items and then there's also the medic who has a pistol and the assault rifle, I think, on his character. I, I have I haven't played it a lot, so please forgive me. But so far, I would say that it's a pretty pretty good experience. I do want to play more of it before getting deep into it, which is why it's probably not even going to be put in the title of this podcast because I really don't have anything much to say about it right now. But just know that I did enjoy what I played of it. I think it looks nice. I think it plays nice, um, and I do want to play more of it before going into deeper depths. Okay. And then finally, just as uh, for the to round this all out, uh, I've we did finish Crash, uh, the Wrath of Cortex, Crash Bandicoot, the Wrath of Cortex, which is technically the official Crash Four. Um, I know it's about time; it's technically Crash Four now. They've kind of erased the canon a little bit, but uh, you know, I wanted to go back and play this one because this is the first Crash Bandicoot game that I played when I was a kid. I played it on the GameCube. This is also the first multi-platform Crash Bandicoot, and I just gotta say, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> It's not that great. I mean, it's it's fun in some areas. I don't think there's any levels in this game that I would say, ooh, go back to this one because that level was so, so good. Now, there's some mediocre levels in there. There's some good levels in there. But there's a lot of levels in there that are just forgettable or they're just not fun. Um, a, a lot of the levels that include a vehicle section, you know, they, they aren't that good. The only vehicle that I really enjoyed was the Jeep. And then there was also a ball that you rolled in for entire levels. And I like the ball rolling ones. But anything with, like, the submarine or with the mech suit or with the flying contraption or with the uh, scooter. There was a scooter in there. And it's just, like, I didn't really like those levels at all. And then there was also the Coco levels where, you know, Coco doesn't get any of the up- upgrades that Crash has. She could, She just has a basic jump. A very basic attack move. She doesn't even have a slide move in this game. And I just feel like her levels are just so bare bones and so basic because of this. And they're just boring to go through, you know? Even the missions where you're flying around. Like, I think there was one where you, like, had a lock-on target. And I think that was the most fun of the flying, uh, you know, the ships. Of the flying planes, I guess you would call them. That was, like, the only one that was actually fun. All the other ones were just like, okay... Am I done yet? I will commend the game for having some interesting boss fights in it. Uh, I think that um, they tried a little bit harder um, than they did on like the the other Crash Bandicoot games, obviously. But they still weren't that great. And I, I, w- I wish that you got more character interaction from the main uh, villains in the game. There's like these four elemental mass who, you know, they talk to you and they talk smack every so often. But they're very short little lines you don't really hear much of of the from them you mainly hear from the new uh well they you hear from dr cortex a lot and um uka uka and then you also hear a lot from the new bandicoot they created uh, what was his name crunch or something like that um and of course if you want to get the true ending of the game which we just watched on youtube 
Uh, you have to get all the time trial relics and gems, and I just was not, I was not for that. Like, the load times are pretty long in this game, and going through each level again with the, the with the time trials, I just was not, I'm not for that stuff. Like, that's a challenge for someone else, not me. I, I you know, most time trial stuff I don't really enjoy. Like, I enjoy doing it in, like, Mirror's Edge and Mirror's Edge Cat- Catalyst and those types of games. You know, racing games too, I, I'd usually do the time trial stuff, but in Crash Bandicoot and, like, stuff like that, I just, I don't, I don't really enjoy those, you know, trials as much as other things. So I'll let's, I'll leave someone else to do that, right? And even even the final ending of the game is not like that crazy, you know. It. Um, I, oh, I, I should also mention uh, Mark Hamill voices one of the characters in here, the Fire Mask. He was fun. It was just, it's just unfortunate going back to that. Like they have like such short little voice lines. Like sometimes you don't even understand what they're saying because they have to say it in like two seconds. And you're like, okay, what'd that guy say? I don't know. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that this game was like the start of the downfall of Crash Bandicoot. You know, the graphics in the game really aren't that great. I would say that even Crash Warped looks better than this game, honestly. Um, and now that the Insane Trilogy is out and the you know the official Crash 4 is out, there's really no reason to go back and play the Wrath of Cortex. Now, if they update the game and remaster the game, that'd be great. I think that there's a lot of interesting and good ideas in this game, in the Wrath of Cortex. But the original version of the game just is kind of bad. You know, they they don't even give you the double jump ability until three uh, three areas in, and it's like okay, <laughs> um, that's 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 like not giving Spyro the ability to breathe fire from the beginning. You know, it's just it's ugh, it's so annoying. But, um, you know, I still like Crash Bandicoot. I still enjoy his character. Like, I, I like his game still. You know, the Insane Trilogy and Crash 4 are two very, very good experiences with Crash. It, it, the Wrath of Cortex just, you know, it's just not that... It doesn't control that well, it doesn't play that well, and the graphics look really bad. And, I don't... Like, back in the day, maybe I didn't notice it as much, because obviously back in the day, th- that was, you know, the time. But I think even back for that time period, the graphics didn't look amazing. I mean, a lot of characters are just blobs of color, you know? They just... They're, like, all one single blob, and they have, like... You know, like, like Coco has, like, the, the jean overalls on, so she has, like, a white chunk, a blue chunk, you know? It's just it's just very awkward. Like even like the characters who had lots of detail in like Crash Warped, like the the, the time guy and the dingo dial, they just don't look that great in this game. You know, I don't know. It, 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 there's a few things that I would definitely change about this game if I was in control. But I like I said, I think a remaster would do this game well because they could improve on the things that this game drops the ball on. Um, and the one thing that, that I will commend this game for is it has a really, really good soundtrack. I think the soundtrack is probably the best thing about this game. There's tons of great level music in the game. Sure, there's some that aren't as good, but I think a majority of the level music is really, really good. So, check this one out if you want to. It's pretty cheap. Um, actually, no, I think I bought it for like $25, so it's not like super cheap, but... You know, I would honestly wait until they announce if they're doing, like, a remaster of it or not, because that's going to be the best version to play anyway. So if you do have a PS2 and you want to try it out, give it a try. I mean, it's got some charm in it, but for the most part, I would say, well, leave it be. Just play just play the new Crash 4. Mmm, <laughs> the new Crash 4. Tasty. All right. 
let's go ahead and talk about the big bad news that came out. Not bad. <laughs> the big news that have come out. Alright, so I, I'm I'm doing these in no specific order, so forgive me if I do some GameStom stuff and then I have something that's not Gamescom. I apologize. I just I was very busy this week and of course, on Friday, the day that I'm recording this, I got home late, and I don't feel like putting this episode out late because I have so much that I want to talk about, and I don't have room for any more news. So, uh, please forgive me if, if these things are a little bit out of order, but I would like to start with the Saints Row reboot that is coming out. Um, it's got an official release date of February 25th, 2022, so that's next year. It's pretty close. Um, and there are a lot of rumblings going around. Uh, the the video got disliked to oblivion for a first for a point. There was more dislikes than likes on it. And I mean, look, I think that it's a smart decision to reboot the series. Honestly, like I said, la- I think it was last week. Saints Row Four. They blew up Earth. Okay, spoiler. It happens in the first minute of the game. The, the aliens come, they destroy Earth, everyone's in virtual reality. Where do you go from there? <laughs> There's nowhere to go from there. It's just, it's like they've written themselves into a huge corner. So the best way to get out of this corner is to reboot the series. And what they are essentially doing is they're, they're um, they did like this, um, origin story i would say i i'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna go out and gander and say this is an origin story for the crew the saints row crew um so it's not super flashy we haven't seen anything super flashy yet you know saints row for i think saints row 3 really dove into like the more arcade nature of it they didn't want to be super gta vibes they wanted to be their own thing this saints row reboot kind of looks a little bit more gta oh excuse me gta ish and the graphical quality kind of looks like Fortnite. And I think that's another reason why people are, like, really off-put by this. So, all the characters are young, hip. You know, they got these quips that they do. There's a rival gang or gangs. They haven't shown off more than one yet. But there's probably this rival gang that you're going to overtake. And that's going to be the end of the game is defeating this gang and rising the power. And, you know, I, I feel like this is a good idea. Like, I don't know why people are so against the idea of a reboot of the Saints Row series. I mean, obviously you are missing those big characters that you've come to know and love from the series, but I think seeing like this origin of the group will also be a cool experience. And you'll you'll always have Saints Row 1 through 4, you know? I think 4 even, and, and 3, came out on multiple platforms now, so you can play them whenever you want. This game looks to be more for a new generation. It, I think it's going to be more of like a GTA vibe to it. Even though there are some big guns in there, it's definitely not going to be like Agents of Mayhem, you know, jumping off of buildings and, and flying around and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. I think this game is going to be grounded a little bit more in reality, and I do think that that is not the right way to go for the game. You know, I understand doing a reboot. I understand making the characters young and hip and quirky. I understand having the graphical quality be a little bit more like a Fortnite-ish because that's, you know, whatever. But the big misstep here is not making the game an arcade experience where it's just over the top, right? Now, obviously, we don't know exactly if it's not going to be over the top, right? But from what we've seen from the two trailers and little developer blog that came out, it doesn't seem to be as punch you in the face like Saints Row has been. You know, I, I don't think that there's... Now, it would be nice, but I don't think there's going to be a giant purple dildo to punch people around with in this game. That's just 
you know, it's just a, just a, just a, just a prediction right there. But they did show that there's going to be like a minigun in the game. There's going to be like this multi-rocket launcher type thing, you know. I don't think that it's going to be a terrible experience, but I don't think that it's going to be an experience that Saints Row fans are going to be liking, only because it doesn't seem to be as over-the-top as other Saints Row games. And like I said, that is coming the 25th of February, barring any delays, and that's coming out next year. So um, let me know what you think. Uh, Obviously, it is a little... It is definitely a different step for the for the the series, um, and if it's a if it's a true reboot, uh, that means you know we're just, maybe we're just getting an entirely new story. Maybe the old characters won't even show up. I do hope that they have those those characters show up though. Maybe even have them as younger versions of themselves. It's hard to say. I mean, I'm not a super huge fan of Saints Row, so I don't know if the characters' names match up. Someone else will have to tell me that. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Saints Row, but I do understand where the plight of the fans of the game are coming from all right so there was a new trailer for teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge which is like the beat-em-up arcade style type game up to four-player co-op and in this trailer they announced that april o'neill will be a playable character uh she'll use her powers of microphone jitsu <laughs> to, to beat up shredder's gang um this just opens the door like is the is the hockey dude going to be available to play in the game as well i think that would be a pretty good addition as well i forget his name right now i apologize to all fans of the hockey guy i do i really do um but um so the game is coming out in 2022 so that's next year it says consoles so who knows what that means for sure but i'm guessing that just means all consoles and pc next year anyway um but yeah uh, april and neil is coming to fight with the turtles in a half shell um, and she's coming in with her iconic 87 yellow jumpsuit. She's going to wield a microphone and camera as her main weapons. And, um, she can also double those weapons as a hammer. And she can also heal allies with slices of pepperoni pizza. Not too shabby. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I'm glad that it's coming out next year, honestly, because I have enough to play this year right now and catch up on. And then in the future of this year play, um, but, uh, look forward to that next year. Um, it looks like it's going to be a blast from the past, and I, I think that the addition of April is good. It's, it's a good addition, and um, I'll be looking forward to playing this in the near future. In the same vein of things, April O'Neil and Cat Dog have joined Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. Uh, they announced Cat Dog first, with uh, you know they showed off a little video of his move set and stuff like that. And then in a separate vi- a reveal, they showed April O'Neil's moveset, kind of similar to Shredder's Revenge. So I'm thinking they took a lot of inspiration from that game. Um, but it's it's cool to see Cat Dog in here. So I mean, this is really turning out to actually be a Nickelodeon brawl. You know, it just it has so many of these iconic characters that I know and love from the past, like Danny Phantom, like Nigel Thornberry, like Cat Dog. I'm just waiting for. Uh, the next reveal right now at this point. I mean, am I interested in the game? I don't think I'm going to be picking the game up. I mean, it doesn't even look graphically that great, you know. But, you know, what What can you do? It's a kid's game. It's 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 Nickelodeon All-Stars. Maybe I'll pick it up on a sale eventually in the future. But right now, I, I, I like what they're doing with it, you know. It, it's awesome to see Cat Dog making a return. I think that was one of the characters that I really, really wanted to see in here. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, 
you know, maybe this will inspire Cartoon Network to do an All-Stars Brawl as well, because there's a lot of our iconic Cartoon Network characters that they could definitely milk, you know, like Johnny ba- Bravo, Ed and Nettie, Invader Zim, etc., etc. Wait, Invader Zim was Nickelodeon, wasn't it? Yeah, Invader Zim was Nickelodeon. I apologize. Oh my god, please don't, don't hurt me. Oh my god. Speaking of hurt me, ooh, Blasphemous. Blasphemous is getting a major DLC update in December, on December 9th. And this new chapter is going to conclude the game officially. Uh, So it's called Wounds of Eventide. They showed off this really stylish, um, like, uh, I don't know, animated cartoon-type trailer. Um, It possibly showed off some of the bosses you'll fight, some of the characters you'll meet. Um, It looks really, really gorgeous. Um, Obviously, they didn't show off anything that's actually in-game. And I think the most important thing to note is that a, after the reveal trailer was over, the number two appeared. And it said the second game is going to be coming in 2023. So a second helping is going to come in about two-ish years, which is really exciting. Uh, Blasphemous is, was a game that really surprised me when I played it la- two years ago now. Um, I played it on Twitch, two, I think, a year or two ago now at this point. Um, really, really fun Metroidvania, Souls-y type game. It's it's a little bit harder than, you know, a regular 2D, you know, side-scrolling game. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. It's 2023. We'll see uh, what they do in the future for that. Um, but for right now, just to look forward to December 9th getting, getting your wounds eventided. And that was a bad joke. Moving on. Horizon Forbidden West has officially been delayed. Um, as I, re- as if you recall, I talked about how the game is supposedly delayed. Well, now it's official. The game is going to be coming out next year in February. Um, so uh, they said officially February 18th is going to be the new re- release date for the game. Even though they didn't really have a, um, you know, a, 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 a release date set in stone. Uh, before now they officially have something coming out as 2022 in February, which is pretty good. And pre-orders will go live starting the 2nd of September. So if you want to jump on it, you know, getting the pre-order in, you can go ahead and do that obviously in plenty of different places. And Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn is now in Genshin Impact. So if you want to play that game and play as Aloy, she is in that game too. And of course I have to mention this Horizon Zero Dawn, um, is going to be available on the PS5 with a patch to ha- allow the game to run at 60 frames per second on the next-gen console. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, I don't know if that was officially part of Gamescom, but I I mean, I thought that was pretty important to say up front. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not upset because I feel like the game slate for this year is just so packed. I don't know where Horizon Forbidden West would actually fit in this in this year's game game package, you know. And Ratchet and Clank was good enough to I think be a, a just a year exclusive, you know. Um but yeah, I'm I'm still excited to play this game and it looks like we have an official release release date now at least, so there's that. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so Death Stranding director's cut um, detailed exactly what makes the game a director's cut. Um, obviously, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I'm just going to go over the basic things here. You got plenty of different new ways to carry your cargo. So you have like this drop pod. You also have this um, little bot, robot buddy that follows you around as well. 
Um, they also showed off that there's a new like combat arena that you can do challenges, kind of like Metal Gear Solid almost. So you'll run around this arena, killing enemies and you know doing stuff in tactical ways. They showed off the new gun that's like this electric gun that uh, stuns enemies. Um, there's things called Nightmare Battles, Nightmares of War, and Ranked Nightmares, so you can go online. Uh, well, you have an online leaderboard, I should say. And then there's also some sort of, I don't know if it's like a boss rush mode, but you can go and, and, and defeat bosses in this mode as well. Uh, what else? Uh, there was, of course, new missions as well added to the game, as they kind of revealed. And it seems like these new missions are definitely more Metal Gear Solid-esque. You know, it requires a, l a little bit more stealth in there. Um, and it seems like it's going to be, uh, like this whole d new faction is going to be coming at you. And then of course they added some things to make the game a little bit more fun. So they've added these like booster jumps and you can do like moves like a motorcyclist in the air. And then of course, as I told, said before a long time ago, when they originally revealed this, there's like this racetrack uh, that you can drive cars and stuff, futuristic cars and stuff around the track. And they ended it all with a very ominous cutscene of uh, Norman Reedus looking out a door, and then a sperm whale coming up behind him. Kind of interesting. Um, this is adding tons and tons of content, so I can definitely see why this is a director's cut. You know, um, there's a lot. There's a lot being added here. Um, the only thing that I'm a little scratching my head about: you you can kill enemies in this game, and I don't know if it's like in the original game when you killed the enemies, it was like a, in a, like a dream or whatever, I don't remember exactly what it was. I thought in this game when people die, they, their bodies like explode if they're not like burned or something, you know? Like, even if they are burned, they release like some sort of energy, right? So if you go through these missions all stealthy and you like, you're able to shoot and kill people, maybe, maybe, maybe you just knock them out. I don't know. Obviously, you would have to play the game to find out. So, yeah, kind of interesting, and remember this does come out on the 27th of September if you're interested. Alright, Crusader Kings 3 Console Edition is coming to PS5 and Xbox. Uh, this is a game that was released in 2020 for the PC, and it doesn't seem like this version is going to be a stripped-down version of the game. It looks like they definitely have put everything they can into this game, making it a console version of their original game um so it's like a um some parts remind me of civilization some parts remind me of age of empires it's definitely a strategy game uh, at its core where you're you know building up this empire of yours and you're taking over other empires and you're trying to keep people fed and happy and blah 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 blah, blah. um if you're interested in that, it's uh, it said coming soon. There's no official release date announced yet, but just know that it, you know Crusader Knights 3 is coming to the console if you want to play it on console. Obviously, I think the best place to play this game would be on PC, only because of the versatility that a mouse and keyboard gives you. They did say that PS5 users are going to experience the game's stress mechanic themselves as their DualSense controller physically rea reacts to in-game events as they unfold, which might be a, f a cool little thing. Um... And they also said that all new gamepad support designed for console controllers from the ground uh, are designed from the ground up. So I guess that's a good thing as well. Also, there will not be a PS4 version of the game, so it's going to be a next-gen exclusive from the from the, the the publisher or the developer. I mean, um, the Xbox version it says Series X only on it. So that also tells you that the Xbox version probably isn't going to be compatible with the Xbox One, but it will be compatible with the S, the X and S. 
And there is a Xbox Game Pass uh, logo on here as well, so it's possible this is coming to Game Pass day one as well, which is uh, interesting information there. Here was a surprise to me, uh, Little Nightmares 2 has officially come out on the PS5. There's a free upgrade with enhancements for people who already owned the original version of the game. Uh, this game came out much earlier this year in February, and I haven't gotten around to playing it yet because I want to play the original game first, but I, I'm probably not going to play the original game until October. So I'm, you know, as soon as I finish the first game, I'm probably going to jump onto this game. Um, but there is a 4K enhanced addition um, to the game. So the free upgrade will gain access to two different modes. One of them runs at 30 frames per second with 4K resolution and ray tracing, while the other one goes for 60 frames per second with dynamic resolution and ray tracing. And it looks like the Until Dawn developer has um, has helped, uh, which is super massive games. They helped make this enhanced port for the PS5. Um, you'll also, uh, be able to use the 3D soundscape mix with 5.1 and 7.1 audio systems. Ooh, technical. Um, so yeah, uh, I think those are some good improvements to the game, and it's nice that if you already own a copy, it's a free upgrade, so there you go. Um, I'm definitely, I definitely want to play this game before the year's up. It's definitely one that's on my list, so we might just start off our October game Halloween event with this game. Uh, with Little Nightmares 1, just so I can play that game and say that I played it before playing 2, you know? Because I like to do that kind of stuff, you know me. Now, they didn't say anything about the DualSense controller making any changes to the game. Um, so I guess maybe they'll talk about that stuff in a future uh, post. Call of Duty! Call of Duty Vanguard! They detailed nearly 10 minutes of campaign footage for the Fall of Stalingrad mission. Um, essentially, this mission takes place very early on in the um, Operation Barbosa, it was called, the, the German uh, invasion of Russia. And uh, obviously, this is the first fall of Stalingrad. So essentially, you, you, know, the, you know, the buildings are still structurally integral and, you know, you're going through these environments. And um, it's like the initial blitzkrieg of Russia and, and Stalingrad. Um, the gameplay looks really good. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's, t it, it's tough to say, but, I mean, the gameplay looks really fluid, really good. The game looks really good. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me scratch my head is they've added this climbing mechanic where you grab onto things with X. It just seems unneeded, almost like the Order 1886, where there was, like, a whole parkour system in that game. I don't think it's going to affect the gameplay too much. It seems pretty quick. Uh, but, I mean, just watching this trailer, like, I'm getting kind of like a halfy. You know what I'm saying? It just looks so beautiful. You know, they they have this, like, sh shotgun in the in, in it. I was really hoping it was a double barrel, but whatever. You know, and, and uh, I guess this is the story of how this Russian soldier, this woman, uh, becomes, like, a gifted sniper. You know, because you start off in the game with a shotgun, and you're not really trained, and then you got your sniper rifle here. It's it's annoying that it looks this good, you know. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the World War Two era. Uh, I, I and this is definitely it's definitely interesting. Me, um, they showed off a few different things. So they had like some stealth sections in here, which I mean, Call of Duty's never been like a huge like stealth game. I know in like the Black Ops games there was sections, and I think in Modern Warfare there were definitely some sections in there. Um, I'm not gonna give the game too much crap because I think it's gonna work well enough, you know. I, I mean, whatever. I'm not, like, super worried about that. But, you know, I, I think that the game looks great. I mean, it's running on a PS5 in this trailer. 
Um, and I think that it's going to be a pretty interesting campaign. If the, if the if the Russian campaign is literally just like taking and retaking and falling back from Stalingrad and retaking Stalingrad, and as the game progresses, like Stalingrad gets more and more, you know, destroyed, almost like in World at War. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting beat for the Russian theater of, of this campaign. Um, and like I said, it looks really good. It looks like it's, it's playing pretty well. Um, I can't wait to see what else they have planned for the game because there are three other fronts that they haven't shown off yet. Uh, there's North Africa, um, the Eastern Front, and um, the Pacific. So we'll see what, you know, what differences in gameplay and stuff like that they have. And the one thing, the note, and I know this might seem like something small to some people, but they are focusing so hardcore on the campaign. And think back to Black Ops 4, Modern Warfare, um, uh, even Call of Duty World War 2. The main emphasis was the multiplayer and, you know, everything that they're doing about the multiplayer. It's very refreshing and actually gives me a lot of hope when they show the campaign the most, you know? Because even though I like playing some Call of Duty multiplayer here and there, the one thing that I always love about a Call of Duty game is the campaign. A lot of my favorite campaigns come from Call of Duty campaigns, like, you know, Modern Warfare 2 and, you know, uh, Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2 even. And Call of Duty World War 2 even had a great campaign, even though it was a little short. I feel like this game is going to have a fleshed-out campaign mode, unlike Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, unlike Modern Warfare. I think that's going to be uh, one of the main selling points of this game, and I think that's a really, really good idea. And the fact that they're bringing back World War 2 makes me want to play it even more. And I know what I said. I know what I said. This might be my exception, okay? This might be my exception. I really do not want to support Activision right now. But the fact of the matter is that this game looks bloody brilliant, mate. I'm really excited. There are some snippets of like some other other theaters of war, like they had a Crusader tank in there in North Africa um, with Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> you know, they showed uh, the Pacific Front. Um, I mean, it's just oh, come on. I mean, why do they gotta do this to me, man? You know. So um, yeah, it looks really good. Looks really stylish. Uh, I can't wait to see more about this. And there is an alpha coming out for the game, uh, Champion Hill Alpha. It's called. And it will be, I think it's available now until like the 29th or something like that. So if you want to check that out, make sure you do. Um, it's just, oh my gosh, it looks, you know, it looks really, really good, you know. But, um, you know, uh, obviously there are some, you know, there's some criticisms about the game and some criticisms about the company. I understand that. I understand it completely, you know. But uh, I, I don't think that World War II... I don't think they've, like, I don't know how they say it. Like, I don't know. I don't think the World War II setting is boring. I, I, there's so many people who are like, oh, going back to World War II, it's like, bruh, the best Call of Duty games are World War II games. You know, like, Call of Duty World War II was, like, the best Call of Duty game since, like, Black Ops 2, you know? Like, even though I enjoyed some of the other ones in there, you know, like, there was nothing, like, I was playing Call of Duty World War II for, like, three years after its release, you know? And Vanguard looks like it's a nice evolution of that. And I, I mean, obviously, I don't think that they're going to stick on... Like, I don't think Sledgehammer is going to stay on World War II for too much longer. I think that this is going to be, like, the last hurrah for World War II Call of Duty for a little while. And uh, I, I appreciate that, that they, are, they are thinking of the older fans, you know? I, I think a lot of people who are commenting about the World War II well being dried up. I think that they're people who started playing when, you know, you know Call of Duty was 
oversaturated with with stuff, you know? You know, maybe they started in the Modern Warfare era, and they were like, ugh. You know, and a lot of these, maybe these people are people who've played the original games, but honestly, when I, I mean, there was a time where it's like, okay, Call of Duty 3 was pretty bad, you know, Call of Duty Final Fronts was awful, you know, but Call of Duty World at War was good, everyone loved Call of Duty World at War, and then there wasn't a World War II Call of Duty game until recent, like, two, three years ago now, four years ago. So it's like, okay, so the World War II well is dried up? I don't understand. There hasn't been a fucking World War II game in over three years now, and there wasn't one before that for, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, you know, it's it, like, I don't, I don't understand where people are coming from. Like, sure. I would like to see another Vietnam era game. Like I would like to see a one set in Vietnam where you're playing in Vietnam, obviously, but I love world war two. I love everything. Like, I don't love world war two. Like I love killing. No, I'm not saying that. I just, I like that era of history. It's such an interesting era of history. And that's why there's so much World War II stuff because a lot of people are interested in that era of history. It's a, it's a crazy era of history. So I'm excited, okay? Not, everyone else, just sit down. <laughs> this this game's for me. <laughs> All right, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga finally made an appearance. Uh, they showed off some of the gameplay. Um, and it showed off that it's going to be launching. They're rough estimating that it's going to launch in spring of 2022. The trailer, um, I don't know, like, there's there's something weird about LEGO games that have the full voice acting from the movies, and then they try and splice in, like, jokes or something like that. There's something weird about it, right? It was okay in the Lord of the Rings game, but I think that in most of these LEGO games, when they have the voice acting in there, which is pretty much all of them now... It just, it feels so weird, you know, because sometimes they'll, like, edit the audio and cut out, like, the music that was originally behind there or something else. And it just doesn't sound right compared to the, the Lego characters. And a lot of times they'll have, like, a joke show up and it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well. You know, it's almost like the Last Jedi effect where it's like, alright, the base of the movie is, like, this dark tone and then they just have, like, a random funny business happening. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. I think this is going to be, like, a must-play for LEGO fans, obviously. And people who are fans of the original trilogy... Uh, orig I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, the original games might find this a bit distasteful because they are remaking all these classic levels and probably adding in new ones and taking out old ones. There's just something to be said about the fact that this game is pretty much coming out as a replacement for the entire LEGO Star Wars series. And even though I didn't mind the Force Awakens, Lego The Force Awakens, it's like, okay, so what are they going to do? Are they just going to take out all those levels, you know? Are they just going to scrap all those levels? Are they putting new levels in? It's hard to say. They, they didn't really show off anything like that, you know? And even though I don't mind, like, the upgraded, upgraded graphics and stuff like that, maybe just doing a remaster of the original prequel one and the original, original trilogy one would have been a better idea than trying to shove all nine films into one. And even then, it's like, okay, so are they doing, are they doing Solo? Are they doing, you know, um, Rogue One, you know? Are they doing Rogue One? Are they doing any of the Clone Wars stuff? You know, like, what, what, like, what exactly does this encompass because they're saying nine films but it's like technically in the star wars universe right now there's like 10 11 so it's like okay are we missing out on those other movies i mean i i didn't like solo as a yeah you know, i didn't like solo at almost at all but i really i enjoy rogue one i thought rogue one was pretty good so if they don't have a rogue one level or levels in here it's gonna be like well okay and it's all it's almost the same conundrum as like i think it was the original marvel avengers lego game where they had snippets of these other movies in there 
but they were just one level and they like encompassed the entire movie. And it's like, well, it's nice to be playing these, these movie levels, but it's like, I would love to just have like a, you know, an Iron Man trilogy Lego game or, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Lego game. But instead it's like one level, you know, I don't know. It, that's just me. I'm still going to probably pick this up and play it, obviously, just to see the changes that they did make. And I'm sure that plenty of people will be making YouTube videos about it. Um, right now, just be cautious about it because I feel like I feel like the original games, they're just so nostalgic for so many people. And to change them and label this as, like, the saga, I feel like that's a, a little bit, I don't know, shitty. <laughs> because they could just do a remaster of the original two games and people would be happy and then add on the third, you know, for a tri for the sequel trilogy, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Leave a comment. All right, also revealed. Devolver Digital revealed Cult of the Lamb, which is like this cartoonish, Hades-type, roguelike, roguelite game from Devolver Digital coming in 2022. It it's pretty dark. Um, if you watch the trailer, um, there's like all this satanic imagery and stuff like that. So uh, essentially, what happens is this lamb is about to be killed, and this demon thing uh, gives him the power to destroy his enemies. And essentially, what happens is he rescues all these fairy tale like these creatures that are all cutesy. Like there's foxes, frogs, you know, pigs. They all look very cute. And they all worship a, a satanic cult. So there's a, <laughs> there's a little bit of funniness in there as well. I think this is going to be a pretty cool game. It's very stylish. There's a lot. Of, it, it looks very stylish. The the areas and locations that they showed off. There's like hand. There's like hand art, drawn art along with like the more animated stuff in there. Um, I think this concept is going to be really really interesting. And it seems like there's also like a base building mechanic where you like build up your your main area. Um, and you, you know, you're, you're getting more and more followers, which might be how you get, you level up and stuff like that. So I, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting game. Like I said, it's very stylish. If you want to check out the trailer, it's on Devolver Digital's official YouTube channel right now. Um, obviously <laughs> this game is probably going to cause a bit of a controversy. Honestly, I can already see it coming and mark my words, you know, I, I guarantee there's going to be some crazy political or religious dude out or someone out there. I don't want to name any names, who is going to be like, these video games are are turning our children into Satanist people. I, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. I mean, the game looks fun, though. I think it's going to be a, a, a funny little ex experience. And like I said, that comes out in 2022. No official release date yet given. All right. Uh, Saifu has also officially been given a release date in 2022. Uh, this time, it's February 22nd, 2022, so it's 022222. Um, they showed off a little bit more of the gameplay. I mean, obviously, it's all based around hand-to-hand -hand combat, but they did show that you get a knife eventually, that that, that uh, com probably you combo into, like, an insta-kill for that. Um, the game does look very good still. Um, I'm really interested to see exactly what exactly it's all about. Obviously, we know the base stuff where it's like, okay, you're, you get older as you get defeated, and, you know, you learn more as you go on. Um, and it's definitely, uh, based around like comboing and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you go from enemy to enemy, just kind of working on one at a time. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting experience and I'm glad that we finally got a release date for now. And I think that's a good day to release the game. 22, 22, you know, 02, 22, 22. I guess if you're in the UK or Europe, it would be 22, 02, 22. 
which doesn't sound as fun. <laughs> Let me just shit on the way that you uh that you have your dates. All right, Far Cry 6 got a new a story trailer, just kind of detailing what we already knew, but it did show, you know, a little bit more of the main antagonist in the game and his son. I thought that the I think that these are going to I think that he's going to be like the best antagonist of any Far Cry game. I think that Voss is going to be dethroned by this guy, but I want to wait and find out. Obviously the game it's it's what you all predicted. There's unrest and there's a rebellion going on and you play as the first female an, uh, protagonist of the series. Uh, you play as a, the first female protagonist of the series, and you are just, you know, you're liberating these areas, and you're helping fight the um, dictatorship government that is in place, and you're using, like, these, you know, thrown-together weapons and stuff like that uh, to make your way through these areas, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be a, a smash hit. I think it's going to be a good return to form for Far Cry, um, like I said in a different podcast, I think that they're definitely channeling that Far Cry 3 type kind of feeling with the really big main villain and stuff like that. And even though Far Cry 4 had a good villain, I'm not going to lie, I really enjoyed Pagan Min. Um, I think that, I think, I think this guy, I, I think Castillo is just going to, he's going to steal the show for sure. For sure he's going to steal the show. And... I think it's interesting that, you know, I think his son's going to play a big part in this game and possibly maybe the halfway point through the game you do kill Castile and then his son takes over. That might be pretty crazy. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a wild theory, a game theory. Moving on. The Jungle Book is coming to Fall Guys. That's right. You'll be able to play as Mowgli, Baloo, and Shere Khan. They'll be available uh, I think they'll be available as like a pack. Uh, let me let me read this again here. Um, you'll be Mowgli will be available between the third and sixth. Shere Khan will be available from the seventh and ninth, and Baloo will be available from the tenth to twelfth. So you'll be able to buy the costumes either for crowns or something like that. It seems. And then finally, King Louie is going to be available in the game as well, um, but it's going to be a different deal. He's going to be an in-game event. So instead of being able to purchase it with like crowns or coins, you have to do the in-game event, which will last between the 3rd and the 12th of September, and you'll compete various objectives to get the outfit, kind of like the Ratchet and Clank outfits from before. Um, so, you know, if you want to jump in on that uh, starting in September, that's, that's when that's going to start. And I think, I mean, honestly, I feel like since, you know, Season 4, Five was it started in early summer? I feel like it should be rounding out by the time September hits. Um, I, I I think that this is gonna be like the last hoorah for the season. Maybe I guess we'll find out. All right, anyone who's fans of Valfaris, which came out back in 2019, a developer has officially announced that a new game in the series is coming out. It's a side-scrolling bullet hell type game where you play as a heavy metal mech. That's right. Um, it's a 2D shooter. Um, it'll be launching in 2022. They're saying late 2022 it's going to come out. It has pixel art graphics and stuff like that. It looks very, very cool. And the soundtrack sounds pretty banging, honestly. Uh, here's what they said in the press release. After escaping Valferis, Therion's hunt for the evil Lord Vral has taken him across the galaxy. As the final inevitable showdown looms, Therion harnesses the awesome combat ability of his secret weapon, the Mecha Theron. So this game has three different play styles. So you have melee, ballistic, and destroyal. Destroyer, I apologize. And it allows you to customize your robotic loadout. And blood medals can be earned throughout your travels to upgrade 
items and purchase add-ons. Um, the original game, um, obviously, it was highly rated, highly rated enough for them to make a sequel. Um, it got an eight out of ten from most places. So, if you're a fan of this game, um, the second game is coming out next year. So, should be should be pretty cool. Uh, don't, if you don't recall, this game named Jet the Far Shore was shown off during a state of play a few months ago. And now it officially has a release date. It's going to be releasing in October, on the 5th of October uh, in 2021. The game is going to be about $30, but there is a 20% discount available if you buy it before the launch of the game. Um, they detailed a little bit more about what the game is about. So um, uh, let me let me just read this blurb here. Uh, the game tasks May, or my, I don't know, it's M-E-I, is it May or my, uh, with finding a new home for her people who are haunted by oblivion. Take the helm of a jet and explore the vast unknown. Skim low over waves, roar up pristine coastlines, and carve through otherworldly worlds, I'm sorry, woods, <laughs> adapt to the intricate, systematic, systemic, systemic open world and preserve through adversity alongside an intimate ensemble in the story of courage, wonder, and regret. Um, Jet apparently began a long, long time ago before the uh, developer studio was even opened. Um, and it's been a long passion project for these developers. So, uh, I'm, I mean, it looks interesting. I'm definitely going to be checking it out, uh, when it comes out. Uh, and, uh, like I said before, the only thing that kind of is weird is that like, after you get out of your ship, it's like a first person game. I don't know. That just seems like a weird shift to me, but, uh, we'll find out how it works on the 9th of, I'm sorry, the 5th of October. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2 is coming out on the 9th of November. There wasn't a release date before, but now they officially have the release date of the 9th of November. Um, it's just a continuation of uh, the gameplay you know from the original Jurassic World Evolution game. And this one, obviously, like a, you know, as you know, Jeff Goldblum does voice acting in this game, and and as long and 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 alongside Bryce Dallas as well. Um, for the first time in the franchise, there'll also be marine and flying animals. There'll be 75 species to discover in total. In addition to the story, there'll also be more traditional sandbox modes where you'll be able to construct your own park within a variety of different locations, spanning tropical forests through the barren deserts. And if that's not enough, there is a mode called Chaos Theory, which will allow you to take control of key moments from the films and put your own stamp on them. And if you pre-order the game, you'll get an additional vehicle skin inspired by the Lost World Jurassic Park. And a, the digital deluxe edition will include even more, as well as five additional species. Well, that's kind of shitty. That's kind of... Don't you think that's kind of uh, shitty? Five additional species for the digital deluxe edition? So, on top of 70... There'll be 80 species. Hmm. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, pro you'll probably be able to buy them day one anyway, which is also really shitty. Hmm. That kind of ended that on a sour note. <laughs> Alright, Dying Light 2 uh, had a new trailer. Um, it kind of detailed a little bit more about how, like, how your actions are going to affect the different... Or, I'm sorry, the different factions that are going to be in the game. Um, so, uh, on top of the zombies and their new mutated forms... Um, there'll be different groups of people you'll meet, uh, some of them a little bit more rougher than others, and you'll be able to decide who you want to help in the game, uh, which will also influence how the game reacts to your decisions. 
Um, I think that's a really interesting mechanic. It's definitely expanded upon in this game because it, it was kind of there in the first game, but not really. In this game, it's definitely, definitely going to give you more choice, I think. And, you know, they showed off the combat, and I think the combat looks a lot more arcade than the original game. You know, you have these, like, slam abilities and these abilities where you jump super high into the air, you know. I think that it's going to be a little bit more fun than the original game, I think. Um, right? And they showed off a little bit more of, like, the combat from human to human. Obviously, it's a little bit different, you know, doing human to human as opposed to human zombie. Uh, and it looks pretty, pretty good, so... You know, I'm still really, really excited for this game. It looks great. You know, the graphics look beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm gonna get it for PS5, so I think that's gonna look probably the best there. Um, but it's gonna be interesting to explore a new, a new world. Um, and uh, they didn't really show anything about this, this the the zombie mechanic, where you, because the game is you know stay human. You know, they didn't really show anything about that in this trailer, like they did in the other one. Um, I guess this one's just more so like, hey, you know, you have some different factions to choose from between who you want to help, and that's going to affect the game, which I think is really cool. So, if you want to check out that trailer, uh, you can find it on pretty much any of the major places. Bethesda shared three different locations for Starfield. Now, they aren't animated or anything like that. They're just like stag like stale photos of like what they're planning on doing. This one's called uh, Neon, which is probably the most interesting one. It's a city that's built on like an oil rig, you know, kind of looking thing. It's coming out of the water. There's lots of lights and stuff like that. It looks pretty cool. There's also one called New Atlantis. Uh, contrary to the popular belief, I don't believe this is underwater. <laughs> um, but it's just, it just shows like this, this like looming city with two big towers and a bridge between the two. Uh, it looks pretty, pretty neato. And then the last one was called... Aquila, which is kind of like an outskirts type city, almost like Jakku, you know, I, that, I'm getting Jakku vibes from The Force Awakens, um, but yeah, it just kind of looks like this outskirts city kind of thing, there's mountains surrounding it, looks pretty cool, the, um, I'm most intrigued by New Atlantis, uh, but I think that these are cool locations, obviously it's going to look, you know, it's going to be more, in, it's going to be more interesting when they actually show in-game footage of them, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, looks, um, Looks like they're they're working pretty hard and making this a pretty uh, a, a pretty interesting experience, huh? Mist. This is a game that I just recently found out about because of a YouTuber I watched, but now it's getting a reimagined version for Xbox, and it's available right now with Xbox Game Pass. So what is Mist? Spelled with a Y. Mist. M Y S T. This is a point-and-click adventure game uh, where you go into like different books. And you solve puzzles in these various books to find pages uh, to help these two brothers escape captivity that they're captured like inside these books. Um, they didn't show any of the uh, the um, sections where the brothers are talking to you. Um, those are probably the most jarring things because you know their acting is atrocious <laughs> in the original version. So I guess we'll see if they keep the original goofiness of the of the of those scenes, but. Um, it is a point-and-click game, a puzzle game. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I, I think I want to play it on the channel maybe someday. Uh, but, um, you know, like I said, it's available on Xbox Game Pass right now if you want to check it out. It does have improved visuals for sure. Um, the original game's a little rough around the edges, but still looks pretty good. Uh, they definitely cleaned things up, made it look more like Unreal Engine, whatever, you know. Um, and uh, apparently it's been reimagined for PC and VR as well. You can play the game in VR. That's kind of interesting. So yeah, uh, 28 years later. I think this game was... This game is as old as me. 
This game came out in 1993. Oh my god. Anyway, if you want to check it out, check it out. Check it out for sure. Um, Halo Infinite has an official release date now. It's going to be launching in December on the 8th uh, for you know Xbox and PC. Um, the multiplayer is free to play as previously confirmed, but the campaign the campaign will be available separately or on the Xbox Game Pass at no extra charge. Um, the only thing that's concerning to me is they haven't shown anything about the campaign yet, and it's only a few months away now at this point. It's almost September, guys, and you're going to release this campaign in December. Uh, hello? This campaign better be worth $60. That's all I'm saying. For the people who are buying it, because the multiplayer is free, so the multiplayer component is completely separate, okay? It's free, it's separate. This campaign better be knock your socks off. It better be Halo 3-type kind of deal. But then again, the co-op isn't going to be available at the beginning of the game, so it's like, okay, there's a little bit of value there kind of missing. I don't know. I'm getting a little nervous about this. Even though I'm excited for the game, I would like to see more about this campaign that's supposedly worth $60. Now, obviously, I have Xbox Game Pass, so I'll be able to play it for free. I'm just concerned for the people who are spending actual money on it, hard-earned money, you know? Hello? <laughs> um, also, along with that news, uh, there is an official Xbox Series X a Halo Infinite Special Edition. Uh, this is the first one we've seen for the Xbox, and uh, honestly, the, P the PS5 hasn't had a special edition either. So, this version of the console, it's got, like, this glittery pattern on the top with, like, this armor, grayish armor on the bottom. It also comes with a gray armored controller, um, and obviously these probably sold out right away, but they're, you know, they're pretty steep in price. The Halo Infinite Limited Edition bundle is about $480.00 coming from Microsoft directly, and if you get the Xbox Series X Halo Infinite Limited Edition bundle on... Wait, what's the difference between these two bundles? Maybe the one comes with a controller, the other one doesn't, because this one's almost $550. So they, there must be one version with the controller, one version without, that's what I'm guessing. And speaking of controllers, there's a Halo Infinite Pro controller being released. It's called Wireless Controller Series 2 for some reason. It has the Master Chief armor with um, black grips on the controller with a gold D-pad. Um, it looks pretty cool. I'm obviously not going to get this. I think these controllers are are way overpriced for what they are. $180 on the Microsoft Store and $200 for the, uh, the a different version of it. I don't understand why these prices are different. What's different about this one? Limited edition... 199 why is i don't know why they that uh, maybe they are both the same price i don't know whatever anyway um interesting you know good good for people who are fans of halo obviously and there's also like a like a blue symbol on the back as well the halo symbol in the back there you go cool 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 um this is a state of decay 2 is actually adding the uh, a remaster of the original game's map into the game it's called the homecoming dlc uh, it's going to be free, uh, a free add-on for State of Decay 2, um, if you have the Juggernaut edition. It's going to be available on the 1st of September. Uh, in this new version of the map, players will learn about the latest developments in the area, discover new characters and storylines, and uh, resolve long-running plot threads. So if you played the first game, this will be a nice conclusion for the area, I guess. Um, 
that there will be six new bases, new missions and achievements, new weapons and outfits only accessible in Trumbull Valley, which is the original place. So if you want to check that out, like I said, 1st of September. Um, the game has now surpassed over 10 million players uh, because obviously it's been free on Xbox Game Pass for a little while. Um, but that's a nice thing for long-running fans of the series. I played the original game back in the day on the Xbox 360 when it was only like an arcade game, you know. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't really play too much of it because I wasn't like uh, really that into it. But um, it's nice that they're bringing this back for fans of the series, and you know, adding in you know you know the new storylines and storylines that are crossing over from the original game. That's just this is a good idea in general. So yeah, if you want to check that out, the first of September. Here's a game that I'm really interested in. <laughs> it's called I Am Fish. And it's coming September 16th, and it's going to be available on Xbox Game Pass in September. This is a game where you can play as one of four fish and try and escape to the open world. Uh, there's one fish who's like a goldfish. He has like a he's in a ball that you need to get around in. There's a puffer fish who can puff up and make it through various areas by puffing. There's a flying fish who flies through areas, and then there's a piranha who can bite at objects and do stuff like that. So it seems like all four fish are going to have very unique play styles, which is really cool idea. Um, and it's a physics-based adventure. Uh, where you play as four different fish, like I said. Um, so they all have a, um, all have unique uh, campaigns to them, I guess you could say. And what, and you want to make your way to the open ocean world, you know. Um, so yeah, I think this is gonna be a pretty, uh, pretty fun little game, little experience. And if you want to check that out, like I said, it's coming to the Xbox Game Pass and PC uh, on September 16th. It's also gonna be available on Windows and Steam if you want to, and also Xbox One as well, of course. Uh, no PlayStation version has been announced, so it's a it's an Xbox console exclusive, baby. <laughs> All right, you've been waiting for me to talk about this, uh, the gunk. I was talking about how last week I was really hoping that there was going to be a reveal for this soon, and there was. Um, obviously, like I said last time, you know the developer came out and said, yeah, it's definitely coming out this year still, um, and it's coming in December. So it's officially coming in December. The gameplay, uh, they didn't really show too much of the gameplay, I would say, but it looks like you're playing as, like, a miner who is trying to, like, clear this planet or, or make this planet habitable again. Um, because in the in the press release, they say you play as Rani, 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 uh, who is a part of a space-hauling duo who are mining the galaxy for whatever resources they can sell on the market. When her and her partner Bex land on a barren planet, they find the gunk, a previously undiscovered substance that could mean big payout. But it seems like the gunk is somehow harming the natural habitat, which brings about a dilemma. Should they interfere with something they don't fully understand? Will this dangerous discovery cause a rift between the two friends? Sounds really, really interesting. And like I was saying before, this is a big departure from what they usually do at uh, Thunderful Games or Image and Form. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely more of like, um, because, you know, the Steam World games are like 8-bit games, you know, they, they have a really nice and cutesy art style to them. This is definitely, it's more 3D graphical, it's, it kind of looks more like a Psychonauts graphics, honestly. Um, it does look really, really interesting what they showed off so far, and I'm really interested to see how, I'm more interested in the story right now, and, um, you know, I'm excited to play this game when it hits the, hits the Xbox Game Pass in December, so... Um, if you're interested in it, make sure you watch that trailer. It's on Xbox's YouTube channel. And like I said, it's going to be available on Xbox Game Pass, Xbox, and PC if you want to check it out. All right, Sonic Colors Ultimate. 
the physical versions of the game have been delayed, but the digital versions are not being affected. So they came out in a press statement and said all physical editions of Sonic Colors Ultimate, which include both the standard and key ring edition, will be delayed across all EMEA markets, excluding Australia and New Zealand. This does not impact the digital release across the first party platform. So if you bought the physical version of Sonic Colors Ultimate and you really, really want to play it on September 7th, you might just want to cancel that pre-order and go for the digital version. But if you're willing to wait for it, just wait. I'm sure it's not going to be that long for them to ship them out um, but you know they've confirmed that it's definitely you know it's not going to be available on the 7th of september the physical edition at least the uh, um, that came with a keychain or whatever um so uh, unfortunate news for sonic fans there also metroid dread got a new trailer uh, you can watch it now on the nintendo youtube channel it was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm I'm really interested. I mean, the design of like this enemy character with like this bird mask and silver armor looks really cool. It looks like there's almost an Egyptian theme to to the game. You know, with how they showed you know his armor looks and these like they showed off these like hieroglyphics on the wall as well. Um, but they showed a lot of the environments in the game and some of the new uh, things that you can look forward to to playing around with. Obviously, there's the multi-missile launcher type thing. Looks like there's some sort of grappling hook, wall climbing ability. Um, obviously, there's like normal missiles and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, this is looking to be like a really cool game. Uh, the new character is called Chozo, who attacks Samus in the trailer. Um, the Chozo were highly intelligent and technologically advanced species who believed their purpose to be that of bringing peace throughout the galaxy. Eventually, the Chozo civilization reached a breaking point, and living Chozo are now rarely seen. The Chozo are known to be peaceful and mild-mannered, but Galactic Federation records indicate existence of Chozo warriors. And obviously, you find a Chozo warrior in this game. And then, um, they also came out with a statement about the Kraid and other enemies that are shown during the trailer. Um, you can spot a giant monster that appears to be a Kraid, a beast Thomas has fought, fought in a previous game, which I kind of recognize. Uh, you can also see robots created by the Chozo as well as gigantic aquatic creatures. Just like in previous games, there's a rich variety of enemies and bosses. Uh, there are many different types of bosses, especially key to victory against such enemies are close, are carefully obs observe their behavior patterns and create appropriate attack plans. Thank you, Nintendo. Thank you so much. So yeah, the game is looking pretty pretty good. Uh, even like like the cutscene the cutscenes look really good, but also the the gameplay also looks really good as well. So I'm looking forward to playing that when it comes out in October on the eighth of October. Um, I already have it pre-ordered, so I should be able to play it uh, at least at least day two, maybe. Uh, depends on when Amazon delivers it. All right, Nintendo eShop is soon to launch in Ar uh, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, and Peru. Very soon, in fact, uh, they announced on their website that South American countries are going to be getting support for the eShop now. Um, in a recent post on social media, they asked fans to stay tuned for more information with the launch being very, very soon. Last December, the eShop launched in Brazil for the first time, offering 400 days, uh, I'm sorry, 400 games from day one. And until these recent changes, Switch owners across South America had to limit access to the games and services because they didn't have localization in their territories. And now it seems like more people in South America are going to be able to play more games. It's very, very, very good. Um, and if you are a listener from those areas, this is good news for you. And finally today on the ballot, 
uh, Blizzard is renaming one of their popular Overwatch characters. Now, this came as a surprise to me because I did not know this about the game, but apparently McCree, who was the cowboy gunslinger in the game, was actually named after former Blizzard designer Jesse McCree, who is now an ex-employee who was linked to recent harassment and discrimination uh, lawsuit brought against Activision Blizzard. Um, in a post on Act Overwatch's Twitter, uh, Twitter account, they said, We built the Overwatch universe around the idea that inclusivity, equal equity, and hope are the building blocks of the better future. They are central to the game and to the Overwatch team. As we continue to discuss how we best live up to the, our values and demonstrate our commitment to creating a game world that reflects them, we believe it's necessary to change the name of the hero currently known as McCree to something that better re represents what Overwatch stands for. We realize that any change to such a well-loved and central hero in the game's fiction will take time to roll out correctly, and we'll share updates as this work progresses. In the, in, in the near term, we have planned to kick off a narrative arc in September supported with the new story and game content, of which McCree was a key part. Since we want to integrate this change into the story arc, we will be delaying the new arc until later this year and instead launch a new FFA map in September. Going forward, in-game characters will no longer be named after real employees, and we will be more thoughtful and discerning about adding real-world references in future Overwatch content. This will help reinforce that we're building a fictional universe that is unmistakably, unmistakably different from the real world and better illustrates that the creation of Overwatch is truly a team effort. We work on these updates. Work on these updates is underway, and they are just a part of our ongoing commitment to honest to honest reflection and making whatever changes are necessary to build a future worth fighting for. We know that actions speak louder than words, and we hope that uh, we hope to show you our commitment to making Overwatch a better experience in-game and continuing to make our team the best it can be. The Overwatch team. I did not know about this. Um, you know, I think that it's a good idea to change McCree's name if it is linked to the horrible allegations that are against this company right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, obviously some people are going to, um, you know, have some criticism about this, uh, but I, I don't know. It, I think that's a good change, but I think it's going to be one that's going to be hard to roll out, honestly. Um, I mean, obviously there's a separation between the character in the game and this person that he was named after. I don't, I don't think anyone thinks that, you know, they're, they're the same person. I mean, obviously Overwatch is a work of fiction made by a team of multicultural blah, blah, blahs, as they say at the, at the beginning of every Ubisoft game. But does he, does he need to be renamed? I don't know if he needs to be renamed, but it is, a, I think it is a good thing that they will rename him since he is named after, someone who worked at Blizzard, who obviously is tied in with this whole crazy scandal thing, okay? So, and you know what? Honestly, probably in the near future, people will even forget that his name originally was McCree. It's just like any sports team rename or game rename, you know? A lot of times, they just forget what the original game name was even in the first place. Um, there's always going to be a history with that, but, you know, whatever. Um, so there you go. Uh, uh, that's the, that's the, that's the Overwatch news for this week. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let me know what you guys think. 
uh, in my Discord. If you want to join the Discord, the Ferret Nation Discord, let me know what you think in the video game stuff section uh, about any topic here. I'd appreciate any conversation about that. Are you excited for, you know, was Gamescom good to you guys? I think that it has had, it had some good... Um, it had some good um, reveals during it. I think it had some good information. All in all, did it need a big event? Maybe not. You know, it could have had, you know, it's just, I mean, they were, they were all pretty much regular, you know, announcements, you know, for the most part. But I think that Gamescom was overall a good experience and it's still kind of going on right now. You know, I don't think it's officially over yet, um, but I don't think there's going to be anything super major that's going to be revealed soon anyway. Um, but yeah, a lot of cool things happening uh, in, in gaming. Um, always a fun time. All right, if you want to follow me on any of my other platforms, it's all Yemi, at Yemi the Ferret. I'm very good with my branding. Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Yemi the Ferret. Also, if you want to follow my blog, if you join the Ferret Nation Discord and you are a subscriber on Twitch, you can have access to my blog. It's updated weekly. Uh, usually it's every day. Uh, right now, this past week has been a bit stressful for me, so it's been more like once every other day right now, but I'm planning on getting back on it very soon. Um, also, if you want to follow me on, uh, actually, hold on, I've already said all those different things. Never mind. If you want to, if you want to follow my other podcast, I do about movies, Film Freaks. It has a Z at the end. Uh, we just started season two with uh, the talk about Tremors. Um, Callus has joined our team as we say farewell to Coco. Um, so if you want to check that out, make sure you do because you know it's still a lot of fun. Um, and other than that, I uh, just appreciate everyone for listening to this episode of Fair 64. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you have a great, I hope you have a great week in general. Have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk at you guys next episode next week. All right. See you later, guys. I'm Yumi the Ferret, and this has been another episode of Fair 64. Ciao, baby. <laughs>